My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Have you ever thought, what do people say about me behind my back? I ask that question all the time. Like somebody will come up and tell you all about this other person that has annoyed them or done something wrong. And I I don't listen to gossip, but I do wonder, what do they say about me when I'm not there? Well, I ask that question because Daniel had everybody talking about him behind his back. And did you hear what they said? We can find no fault in this man. There's no way to convict him in front of the king. In fact, if we're going to convict him, we're going to have to do it on the basis of his faith and relationship with God. Wouldn't it be nice if people said that behind your back? However, uh, our world today doesn't afford us that opportunity. But I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I like to sing. And I always thought, wouldn't it be great to have a career singing for the Lord? Remember back when we were younger and like the first Sunday night was usually a cover dish, which I know you guys still have. And then they brought in Christian magicians and organists and there, there was like a, a presentation and then maybe a message and we all went home in time to watch the wonderful world of Disney, right? That, and I thought, wow, I've got this instrument. Why don't I get to use it for the kingdom? God has never opened that door for me. So you're stuck with me singing hymns in the morning and the occasional solo, but we don't always get to use our gift, but people talk about me by, oh, he's the pastor that sings. I've, I've heard people say that many times. And yes, I am the pastor that sings, but I'm not in a singing ministry. Do you, do you hear the frustration there? It happens. So what was Daniel's job? He was going to be, did you hear, put in charge of the entire kingdom. In fact, later in his life, we talked about this, he does actually become in charge of the entire kingdom. But right now, he's one step below the king. And what's his main job? Is to prevent loss for the king. Now, I want you to hear that because our politicians seem to get wealthier and they're not protecting us from any loss. Can you just, that's, I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm just saying if you watch the news and you watch these people, they're getting $200,000 a year and they come out of Congress with $17 million homes. How does that happen? I've been teaching for 29 years. I don't have a $17 million home. So if our politicians today were perhaps a little crooked, do you think the politicians then were a little crooked? Well, the answer to that would be yes. And who does the king put in charge of all these crooked politicians but a godly man? A godly man that everybody knows follows the law of God, is honest and prayerful. And they say to themselves, we have to get rid of this godly man. Now, I don't know if you hear echoes from Daniel's life to what's going on in some countries today, but I want you to know that when you walk the path of God, it is going to annoy, bother, anger the people who are not walking with God. In fact, 
I made a, a list here. There's really three things that will happen if you are consistently walking the path that God has laid before you. There are some people that will go, I want to join you. That's how the church has survived for over 2,000 years is because people want to join. They want to give their hearts to Jesus and have what we have and share together. We're not worried about the people who want to join the walk of faith. The second thing is there's people who are going to ignore you, and that's very big these days. Well, you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe, and we just won't talk about it, and everybody will get along just fine. Now, those people are certainly nicer than the next group, but they're not helping us advance the kingdom. Then the third group are those that despise, revile, persecute, and lie about you. I want you to hear this. They are convicted by your life. I, I do often try to do the right thing. And sometimes people feel that you're doing it to make them feel guilty. Have you run into this? Like, oh, that's because you're a Christian. And they're, they're actually judging themselves because of the life you lead. Your life is not being led to judge them but they are feeling judged because, let's be honest, everybody knows right and wrong. We know it from when we're little children. They know what you're doing is right. They know what they're doing is wrong, and they feel convicted. Some people, how can I put this? Well, some people will want to do what the leaders are doing to Daniel, and they're going to try and find a way to take you down a notch. When I was preparing to go to seminary, my... uh, my parents were in need, not a horrible need, but they were both ill and they needed somebody to come home and pay the bills. So I came home and paid the bills and I was working at the local sewer factory. That was an exciting job. When I came home from work, my dad used to make me stand in the backyard, get down to my skivvies and hose me off before I came in the house because I carried a certain odor with me from working at the sewer plant. I did not own a car, so I rode my bicycle to the sewer plant, and I always tried to get there a little early, and I was preparing to go to seminary, so in my book bag, I had two things, three things. I had my lunch, always got to have your lunch. I had a stainless steel thermos. Coleman used to make these big, heavy things, and they were pretty much indestructible. So if you're working in a factory or an industry like that, you need an indestructible thermos, And can anybody guess the third thing I had in my bag? My Bible. And before we started work, I would go in the break room and I would read my Bible. Well, there was a co-worker who was convicted by that. Now, I wasn't waving it around and quoting Bible verses and say, you're all sinners, you're going to hell. You need Jesus right now. I was just sitting in the break room, reading my Bible, sipping iced tea from my thermos. He got so mad at me one day. He picked up my book bag with the thermos in it and struck me in the head as hard as he could. Broke my glasses. I I had blood coming down here. All the other guys ran to the boss to say, uh, John is (laughs) beating up Alvin. That's my given name. Anyway, and the manager called us in. He says, what's going on? I heard there was a conflict. Now, it's hard to lie because my glasses are broken and I'm bleeding. But I said, you know what? It was just a misunderstanding. Everything's good. And John's jaw dropped. Now, why did I say that? Because we're supposed to forgive. 
There's that whole thing about turning the other cheek. Now, do I want to get hit on the other side of my head with a stainless steel thermos? I would prefer not to do that. But it made John step back and think about what was going on. Now, I don't know if it made a difference in his life, but where we're headed is when you are living the life that God calls you to live, there's going to be bumps in the road. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. In, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be prosecuted. And in Matthew 5.1, at the end of the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't sign up to be persecuted, reviled, and have people talk about me behind my back. But Jesus said, if you do it right, that will be the byproduct of your faith. So let's review Daniel's spiritual diet. If you've noticed, the last four sermons, and this is the fifth, have all been from Daniel. This is the end of the series. So this is like the final exam. So... The first message was on Daniel's diet. Do you remember what Daniel's diet was? Not the vegetables. His spiritual diet. Prayer. Thank you. That's been the emphasis of the five weeks. He prayed three times a day with his window open facing Jerusalem. What did he learn as a little child in, in, in Jerusalem, in Israel? The scriptures. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Daniel had memorized, remember, all those psalms that they sang ascending the mountain to go to Jerusalem. Daniel prayed and he knew the word of God. He also made it a commitment to pray daily. I really want you to hear that. A lot of us uh, well, Corey Ten Boom says this, and I like it. She says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Right? Do you use prayer to guide you in your decisions and through your life? Or do you only throw that, that, that spare tire on the car when something's broken or in need? Daniel had deep roots in the word. And I, I want you to hear that to pray well and to live well, we have to know the word of God. It always scares me when I'm teaching an adult class and one of the adults will go, isn't it written in the Bible somewhere? Often it isn't. And what they're saying is, I heard this once, but I didn't really care enough to note it or memorize it. And I'm, I'm hoping that the pastor will be my Bible commentary and find that verse for me. But I'm not going to travel with you through your everyday life. And when you need scripture, if it's not written on your heart, you have no steering wheel. The second thing, and I, I'm, I'm convicted by this because I, you know, I think that the church universal doesn't pray enough. Do you remember when there was a crisis when we, and I, I hate to go back to when we were kids, but the Maui fire, terrifying, devastating. When I was a kid, the president would have get, get on TV and declare a day of prayer. We... I can't remember the last time as a nation we were called together to pray. We've, we've got to refine that or our nation is going to be lost. 
So Daniel had deep roots in the word of God, a strong and consistent prayer life. And you may remember this, he saw through the problem to eternity. Any problem that we have, any challenge that we have, is something we have to go through, but it's not, well, I used to tell my kids this, it's not the end of the world. You break up with the boyfriend, your car engine goes, you lose your job, it's not the end. We have to go through it and find out what God has for us on the other side. So hear this. You could be burned in the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can lose friends and family and job and opportunities. And if you do it with your faith strong, God meets you on the other side. Remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar? Whether we burn or whether we don't, we will not break the law of God. They knew that this was not the end. There was something on the other side. Have you noticed that our world is increasingly hostile to people of faith? Just want you to think about that one. And they are particularly hostile to the Christian faith. So when you live a godly life, you stand out. Our behaviors, our decisions... The words that come out of our mouth should be different. Now, I don't know if this works for you, but as a pastor, somebody will let a colorful metaphor come out of their mouth, what we call in my classroom rhyming words, like it rhymes with fire truck, right? And they'll apologize to me. I'm so sorry, Doc. I didn't, like, it doesn't hurt me. You, you need to apologize in a different direction. But they apologize because my life and hopefully your lives are different. The behaviors are different. We're different because we have a different belief system. I don't know if you watch the news or the laws that they're passing, but if you hold the word of God in one hand and the laws that they're passing in the other, they don't often match. It's terrifying. So our beliefs are going to be challenged. Living a godly life shows those who are not what they could be. And some people will grab onto that, and some people will, in anger or fear, deny that. And those who are not full, those who are not full of the word of God, feel judged, convicted, guilty, and shame. I want you to hear something. When you are persecuted because of your faith, you did not cause the persecution. It comes from the guilt and the condemnation of the people who are being convicted. That, that speaks to me because sometimes I used to think that I caused it because I was living a godly life. You didn't cause it. The people around who were convicted caused your persecution. That's what happened to Daniel. He, he did nothing to be persecuted or thrown in the lion's den. The people around him caused that. So what's the formula? What do we do if you're taking notes? There's three things, and I made it easy for you to remember. They all begin with the letter P. The first one should be pretty easy. We need to have a life of prayer. See, we are getting there. The second one is praise. Praise that God is working through you. God is convicting them, and praise that we will add to the kingdom of God. And the last one is this, prepare for the bumps. As a therapist, I always find it amusing. 
I'll help a couple or an individual through a, a rather big bump in their life. Uh, recovery from a divorce, marital problems. We'll get over the bump and then they sort of assume that there will never be another bump again. Have you met these folks? Oh, it's fixed. I'm bump free. I got bad news for you. You probably know this already. There are bumps everywhere. And if we rename those bumps lions, there are lions everywhere. And we need to be prepared to go over that bump with the three Ps. Prayer, praise, and preparation. Do you remember the story of the little boy in the roller coaster? That was like three or four weeks ago. And, and the man who designed the roller coaster said he would ride with the boy. God still wants to ride with you over the bumps. God rides with you. He never leaves you. And why is that? Because God loves you. Amen.